welcome to The Match of My Career. My name is Todd Schooler, and in this podcast, I'll be talking with ex-tennis players about one of the most memorable matches of their career. In this episode, I'll be speaking with former Australian player Jessica Moore, and we'll be discussing her second round matchup at the 2008 Australian Open versus Shahar Pear. As you'll hear from Jessica, it was one of the most amazing experiences she's had on the tennis court. Hope you enjoy this chat with Jessica Moore. Jessica, thanks for joining me. Appreciate your time. Thanks for having me. No worries at all. Now, you had a career-high ranking of 132 in singles, 52 in doubles. You won four ITF singles events, 31 ITF doubles events, and two WTA doubles events. Um, But we're going back to 2008, round two of the Australian Open, for your match against Shahar Peer of Israel. Let's start with the build-up to the Aussie Open for a few minutes. You know, it's massive here in Melbourne. It's massive here in Australia. Were you granted a wild card for that event? Is that correct? Yeah, that's right. So 2008, we're going back a bit, but that was my 18th birth year. So I was 17 at the time and it was my second Australian Open. And yeah, you're right. I was granted a wild card, which again, like you said, we're super fortunate to have a Grand Slam and to be given these opportunities. So I think I came in roughly... I could be wrong here, but roughly around 350, 340, something like that. You could probably correct me there. 378. 378. Okay, there you go. And so I had a taste of the Australian Open playing the previous year. Um, I I remember doing the draw and I played Kuznetsova, which was a bit of an eye-opener, being, you know, my first experience playing on a big court. So coming in this year... I felt a little bit more comfortable. I knew what to expect. But when you ask the question, can you pick a a match? I guess the reason I chose this match was because it was not anything that I was going to, I think I could have prepared for or trained for. Um, That's interesting because when I was looking at your history and some of the matches you've had, and then you chose this one, I was like, oh, I'm really interested to find out why this was the one you chose. Yeah. I mean, looking back it ended up being my biggest Australian Open 2008 was obviously my biggest year reaching a career high um, of 132 obviously wasn't going to know that at the time but that Australian Australian Open I played the juniors so singles juniors I don't think I played the doubles in juniors but I played senior singles senior doubles and mixed doubles so there's a lot going on in those couple of weeks that's a busy schedule yeah 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 how hard was it to play those events and I will point out that you made the final of the junior tournament losing to Arantxa Rus and you actually beat Simona Halep in the semis so that was a pretty good week in hindsight too yeah absolutely I had my first win um, against Julie Diddy in the first round which was a pretty you know I mean a, a good achievement for a 17 year old I guess um, so I was on a, on a high but it's it's really crazy because when I reflect on it, I, I must have created such a bubble because it was such a blur. I was playing four events and obviously on alternate days I had something on, right, because if I kept going in the junior singles, I had the doubles, the mixed doubles. Um, I think we run, I won around in the mixed doubles. So it was a huge, huge couple of weeks. And to, I guess, manage myself and manage emotions, my energy, I just completely isolated myself and obviously now I realize that that's something that's probably not sustainable or something that you know I would um, teach or educate but that was just the 
what I knew at the time. And I, I remember my coach gave me a room where it was in the corridors where it was just a TV, a bed, and I just went to that room after every match. So I, I did not interact. I didn't. It, it was bizarre. Like I, I did my what I needed to do on the training court. We had the warm-up area. It was very routine, but quite a, um, a shy person, big stages. I Obviously, that's what you you play for, but it, it was quite daunting for me. And, and at 17, I... You, you just get caught up in it. You, you're doing well. It's great. We just keep going and the routines get stronger and stronger. And so leading up into this match, I... Do you, do you remember, so do you remember if there was a, a lot of publicity around you leading into the tournament? So were you, did you go through the wildcard playoff or were you, were you granted it? No. So not at that stage. No, no. I was granted it uh, based on my results leading into the, to the summer. So... Um, I think I did well in a couple of 10Ks and I was having some results in the juniors. So it was at, at a point where I was combining the juniors and seniors and it was progressing, you know, quite well. But leading into this match, and I'll never forget this part, is when you get escorted or you get called um, to the change room with your, your court number and we're going down the corridor and it was very quiet. But then as we were getting closer to the court, I was starting to hear like this just huge amount of like chanting and banging and and I was like you know I was a, naive and I I, I, don't know, I thought maybe it was another court or which why court would were they you playing want to come out um so it was before Margaret Court was covered so it was either the you know, this is where I regret not knowing but it was either show court two or, or Margaret Court pretty sure it was show court two and for those that know that the the stand comes down, so it creates there's a there's a barrier around where if you leant over, you could bang against the the sideboards where they have the um, sponsorships and yeah, and it's a real amphitheater style arena. Yeah, isn't it? where it creates it creates a real um, echo of yeah, the sound. and it's not it's not a ticketed court, so you've got the general public might have had a few drinks getting a little bit excited right. in the Australian heat Absolutely. and it does get a little raucous <laughs> there. <laughs> yeah, so I'll never forget just prior to stepping onto the court when they called our names, I could I could not hear myself step, breathe, touch it. Like it was the most bizarre sensation of the, the crowd the Israeli crowd, I very much remember the Israeli crowd getting right into it. And then obviously there was some um, Australian um, fanatics, which was amazing. But the banging on the side of the court of of that, that barrier where you could lean over was absolutely terrifying to me at the time because I was just so confused. Like I'm a country girl. Yeah, I won a, I won a round at the Australian Open, but I'm like, hang on, what? I, I didn't really understand the concept of people getting so into it. And like you said, obviously, a few have had a few beverages. Um, it's it's hot as it, as it can get at the Australian Open, but my mind just went absolutely everywhere. This can't be right. This is weird. Why are they doing this? Like, can we play in this in this environment? Um, anyway, I went. I, I'm pretty sure I was serving. I won the toss. I was serving. And I was bouncing the ball. Again, I couldn't hear a thing. The whole sensation of going up to play a match was just like, how am I going to get through this? Like, I've never been in this situation before. You you try as much leading into these events to put yourself in situations where you're going to 
trained to what you're going to expect on the match court. But, yeah, it was the most insane experience in that sense. And that's why I wanted to, I guess, go down memory lane for this match because it was just a weird, weird scenario. Before we serve that first ball of the match, you let's just quickly touch on for one minute you did win that first round over Julie Ditty of the USA. She was ranked 101 at the time. You won it in straight sets. And that's your first Grand Slam win, and you're the youngest Australian to win a match at the Aussie Open for almost 10 years there. So what's what's that feeling like? Yeah, I mean, again, like it was – I don't think I was aware. Um, I was in such – I was very young. I was in such a, a bubble of just wanting to do well, just keep going, keep going, keep going. And it was the way that I kept motivating myself to get through those couple of weeks and like, probably to have a great year, but – it, when I reflect on that time, it's something that I wish I did probably soak in a little bit more and embrace and, and maybe celebrate even, yeah, I mean, even the fact that I made the final of the, the girls' singles, I was literally on a plane that next that night to have my first match for the um, Fed Cup in Thailand. Um, and so I didn't really have a, have a moment to celebrate with family, friends of, geez, that was actually a pretty good achievement. Um, and it wasn't until many years later but it's so important to just take that moment to appreciate where you've come from, what's gone into this, and, yeah, celebrate those good good moments with the people that have been a part of that journey. Um, and that's something now I'm so conscious of when I'm coaching is to take a moment and really enjoy because it goes like that. And, um, yeah, even now reflecting on it many years later, it, it's that period of time went so quickly. Once that first match is in the books and you look ahead to round two and you see you're playing the 17th seed and the world number 17, are there are you daunted by that or are you just super excited? Uh, I think probably a mix. Um, having that first match under the belt is definitely loosens you up. It gives you confidence because, you know, you've been out there on the courts. I was out on, I think it was court seven, eight. So, you know, you're out um, on the on the on the ground pass courts but it absolutely gives you confidence I mean it was my first main draw win you're excited about it but at the same time you, you're just so okay next what do I have to do now and I didn't know a lot about her at the time but obviously being 17 in the world you you know you can put two and two together that she's a quality player but uh yeah I, I didn't I guess understand or prepare myself of what the 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 crowd impact was going to be and and um just how into it they were and let's talk more about that i had a little look at when i was doing a bit of research trying to find some match reports or some comments on the on the match itself and one of the first things i came across was a fan forum there were some comments there and one of the very first comments was Jess was very nervous at the start wasn't going for her shots and shaha completely outplayed her now you've just spoken about the craziness when you entered the arena I'm assuming that just overwhelmed you in the first set because the first set for those that don't know six love you lost the first set what happened yeah I was just in complete shock like again not being able to hear the the ball bounce on the court this is something that is part of your routine you're so used to it and you've got people shouting out and the umpires having to say quiet please like number of times throughout the match you know, there's security there. This is something that I was completely foreign to. And, you know, it's, it's part of being or wanting to be a professional tennis player, right? But the Israelis are really known for supporting their athletes. So was it 
It's kind of 50-50, Israeli-Australia, or were you almost outnumbered? Yeah. I actually, whether it was, but I felt like it was outnumbered. But don't get me wrong, when I look around, there was the Fanatics with the green and gold, which was absolutely awesome. But it was just their pure um, aggression with how they were um, chanting and, and banging against the the side of the court where it was just like, oh, my goodness, like what is going on here? And you're right, it was reflective in the score. I absolutely taught a lesson, six love. I remember feeling tight in the chest. My body felt tight. I couldn't release on shots. It was more of a matter of survival rather than trying to actually dictate and play how I can play. But So what happens, what, what happens at the end of that first set? You sit down at the changeover. I think I just put the towel over my head and it was just, okay, bring it back to yourself because... I had absolutely no control over what was going on um, and I had to bring it in and just focus, okay, well, what it is, what is it that I've been working so hard over the last couple of months and this is an opportunity where I can let that let shine. And, you know, I obviously didn't win the set, but I think it was 7-5. It was 7-5, yeah. So I believe you were 5-3 down in the second set, then held and then broke her to love to level it to 5 all. And then you were 40-15 up apparently in the next game, but just couldn't find a first serve. This is this was all written down in one of the fan forums. So that is impressive. That is impressive. <laughs> yeah, there you go. But yeah, I, I guess the the bit yeah, the reason why I just wanted to reflect on the match was just the pure I was just in awe of just how is this even possible? But you know, it's just again, it's part of the game, it's part of being an athlete that you're on show, you're an entertainment, you're a performer um, and having to have those skills to be able to cope with that. So it was a huge learning experience for me um, and one that I definitely used for that next year when I played second round, I think it was on the same court against Panetta. Um, very, not quite as aggressive, but it was a similar situation, but something that I, I learned from and yeah, it will be a memory for forever. That's for sure. But it's, it's very hard for those that are listening to articulate it, I guess, but um, having that vision of just supporters against you, just absolutely throwing their bodies against, against the side of the fence and, and yelling, not really understanding between points and, and having to stop and start as a player to, I guess, bring yourself back into getting ready to play, let alone having so much noise and, and energy. But, again, an unreal experience. As far as your tennis went in that second set, you obviously picked it up a little bit and you got control of your mind and started to block out the atmosphere that was there. Did you feel comfortable playing against you know the world number 17? Did you feel like you could match it with the best in that set? It, I, I think it comes down to it wasn't the, the actual striking of the ball um, where I knew that I could match it when it came to that. I, I think where she outclassed me was she was she actually embraced and was almost egging on the situation because she would no doubt was looking down the other end and could see quite clearly what was going on and when it became to those pressure moments she was able to lift and thrive off that which is hence why she was where she was and again that's something where you know is a great opportunity for me a young player to be able to look and see okay that's that's the reason why she's great and not you know not, she's good but she's great but she's able to embrace those moments and and not maybe she didn't play her best who knows but she was able to play well enough in those pressure moments and almost thrive off the um, situation where she had her supporters really uh, there for her 
Um, so there was a difference. Rather than shying away from the situation and being scared and nervous and, and daunted, she just completely immersed herself and almost grew bigger and, and um, yeah, enjoyed the fact that people were there. I don't know whether you're being diplomatic here or not, but how was her behaviour on the court? Because I read a few comments that suggested she was quite aggressive towards you um, and rude at times. I don't know <laughs> if that's, I don't know if you remember that or whether it was just part of the kind of rousing up the crowd routine. Oh, I think she matched what, what was going on in the crowd. Like I think um, they were aggressive, they were loud, they were in your face and she wasn't going to shy away from that either. At the end of the day, it's a professional match. It's the, it's it's her profession. So I don't expect the fact that she's going to go, oh, this is a young girl who's, you know, I'm going to lay it easy on her. Of course not. Um, so if she's looking down the other end and seeing that I'm affected by it, she's going to use it to advantage. And I think she did. I think she did. Um, I was just able to potentially cope with it a little better after the first set get my thoughts together, get my breath back to where it probably needed to be. And how do, how do you do that? So if you're, you're a coach now, how would you kind of articulate that to a 17-year-old this year who might be in the same situation? I think going into whatever event it is, you have to have established routines and be super clear on that. So you have something to go back to that's familiar to you. You know what that means to you. You have set words that are associated with that. So it's about you and bringing yourself back um, rather than everything else that's completely out of your control. And with that, having your breath. And I guess I used the strategy of putting the towel over my head to really block out everything that was going on around me, slow my breath down, and then, okay, what is it, like I said earlier, what is it that I need? I'm My focus points are for this match, and I probably had two or three, um, just to simplify it because when you're in that moment, your clarity goes completely out. Like you're thinking about everything and anything to try and survive in that moment. It's panic mode, right? Yeah. Um, so established routines is, is I think, is crucial and being able to consistently perform that, whether you're in training, whether you're playing someone better, someone maybe less similar, it doesn't matter because you're going to be throwing something different all the time. Like I was, it was completely out of the norm for me. I, I was used to playing on the on the back courts, let alone having people, abs- you know, throwing themselves. I mean, coming from, so. coming from 10K ITFs to that is, that's one heck of a change. Absolutely. Absolutely. But maybe it set me up for having a great year that year and, you know, being able to have, uh, continue to have a successful Australian Open Juniors um, and who knows. But it was definitely, definitely an experience where I share with players that, you know, anything can be thrown at you um, and you've got to have the skills and the, the coping strategies to be able to perform with what you've been training and um, that's just part of playing professional sport. So how, how do you process that? When, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. How do you process that when you walk off the court? Everything's just been thrown at you in that match. Do you walk off the court saying, okay, I'll learn from that or are you still overwhelmed? Do you go home and cry at night? Like what was the feeling in the locker room or when you went to sleep that night? Oh, no doubt. I was completely, I was, was still overwhelmed. I'd be silly. I'd be lying if I said I wasn't. Um, and disappointed probably. Um, I was incredibly hard on myself and, you know, it's a strength, but also it can be a bit of a, a challenge too. Whereas 
I knew I had the game to to do something and unfortunately the the circumstance and the environment took over, um, especially in the first set, which is a missed opportunity. You know, I've been granted a wild card. It's not something that you take lightly. Um, you're, you're in your home country, home Grand Slam. You want to perform, right? So I was pretty disappointed and probably upset, overwhelmed and exhausted. I remember being absolutely exhausted and I had to back up and play you know, the junior singles and potentially the doubles at that stage. So it's something where, yeah, it'd be disappointed, but I don't, I didn't have time to prolong that. And like you said, it might, might've been a good thing for you to, to have that experience and then just get back on the horse straight away. Absolutely. Because I didn't have time. Like I said earlier, like I was playing a match or two every day for those two weeks. Um, so you got to get, and, and it is part of being a tennis player. You, as, as we talked about having time to celebrate, you don't have time for that and you don't have time for disappointment because you've got to just get straight back onto it and, you know, there's always an, the next match. But, yeah, it, it, I definitely took it hard on, on you know, not eat, not well probably, but I was it was a unique situation where I couldn't allow it to prolong. Like you said, you, you went from, I think, what did we say, 378 or something you were ranked at the start of that year and, you moved up to 132 by the end of the year. So a match like that, like you said, probably gave you the confidence to know that you can match it with the best. It probably strengthened you mentally really quickly. So you obviously had a good year, got to 132. What happened after that? Just briefly, why couldn't you quite recapture that, that form? <laughs> yeah. We're not going to go too much into, not going to go no, too no, deep no, into no, this. No. It's all okay. about the match, but that's okay. was um, it injuries? A combination of a lot of things. Yeah, I, it was a massive year for me, huge. I was... Just to paint the picture a little bit, I'm country WA. I relocated at 13, 14 to go east, based east in Sydney for a bit and then in the AIS program. Um, so 2007, 2008, I was in the thick of the AIS program. I was away from home a lot. And 2008 was a very successful but a huge year, a huge year mentally, physically. And it probably caught up on me a little bit. So, yeah, I got a couple of injuries knee, ankle, wrist, shoulder, um, which which comes with being a, an athlete. Uh, but also, too, I probably struggled a little bit being away from home for such long yep. periods of time So that, and, and a few different changes in coaches. So there's a lot of things that were going on behind the scenes. Yeah, that that, that come with it. It's challenging. Um, but, yeah, it's, it was a massive year and it's probably something that I didn't reflect on and celebrate it and acknowledge that, geez, Jess, you're actually tracking pretty well. I didn't think I was. I didn't at the time. I remember thinking, well, there's there's players and girls 17, 18 in the top 100 and killing it. So, which is very different now, um, I appreciate. But at that time, you're young, you see what's in front of you, you naturally compare, which is not a healthy thing to do. But No, and I think for tennis, you, you only see that when you take a step back, that everyone has a completely different journey, different timelines, Absolutely. different ways of getting to the top. But when you're in the game, Absolutely. when you're right in the game yourself, you probably just don't see. No, no. Um, but yeah, I, 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 now being retired for a few years now and looking back on my career, having a having a break and then coming back and focusing more on doubles, you know, there's experiences like we've talked about today that you know that I I will remember you know forever and cherish. And there's a lot of positives there, but also you obviously reflecting you go oh I, this could I could have done this I could have done that of course and I think everyone it, you'd be crazy to not admit that but yeah it's 2008 was a special year and one that you know a lot of great memories that are 
is nice to talk about. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, lastly, you're still involved in tennis. So tell us what you're up to. Give your, give your business a plug if you want to. <laughs> yeah. So I'm very much involved still. Um, you know, I love the game. It's been a huge part of part of my life and something that I love sharing with others. So after retiring, I, uh, from from playing, I got pretty much straight into coaching where I was doing a few trips to Australia, taking juniors away overseas um, and still doing a few of those throughout the year. Um, but just recently moved back to Perth where I started my own business, Train to Play. Um, so based out of club and, and working for a private boys school and doing a bit of coach development stuff and completing my HP course at the moment. So I'm keeping really busy. Um, love coaching, love sharing my experiences, sharing my knowledge, but also upskilling and being able to help uh, players in their journey. Because, yeah, I, I don't underestimate the impact a coach can have on not only a tennis player but a person. Because you know, it's there. You spend so much time together, and you create memories, and you can have an influence, hopefully a positive influence on people's lives. So I love that aspect of it, and. Yeah, love my job. So really um, uh, grateful that I've been in a situation where I've experienced tennis as a player, and now I'm able to pass that on to aspiring tennis players. So well said. Well, thank you for your time today, Jessica. It's been uh, been a pleasure to chat, and uh, hope you've enjoyed looking back and reflecting a little bit. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Thanks for the going down memory lane. Thank you very much. The first serve is your home of tennis at thefirstserve.com.au. Log on to find out all the details of our live radio show, other podcasts, read weekly features by our team of writers, and follow us on social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, and subscribe to our YouTube channel.